Just like most episodes, this one contains strong language. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and guests and in no way represent the state of Oklahoma, the Oklahoma Historical Society, or the Oklahoma State Historic Preservation Office. Welcome to the Musings of an ADD Mind podcast. This is your host, Jack, and I have the ADD Mind. Joining me today is my wife, Heather, and we are going to talk about music. So that means it's the last Wednesday of the month. Woohoo! Yes. So uh, say hello, Heather. Hello, Heather. All right. So um, <laughs> since you're the guest, you get oh, to go no. first. I know exactly who you're going to open up with. I have a feeling that it's a color in a month. Imagine that. It's a some sort of color and for the first name and a month on the second name. And the lead singer with a funny last name. Yeah. Yep. That's uh, precisely what I see happening here. So, Sorry. go ahead and take her away. <laughs> okay, so my most favorite, and as you mentioned, shockingly you knew, um, is about Blue October. And, I mean, I don't know what else to say. I mean, they're just freaking awesome. I first saw Blue October in 2009. We were in Tulsa, and I was actually working, and I got to have a, a press pass, so, you know, I'm behind the you know, in between where the crowd is and where the stage is, to take pictures. That's what I was there for. And I'm listening to these people, and I'm like, God, they're freaking awesome. I don't know who these guys are, but they're freaking awesome. And that kind of just did it. Like, I don't know, I was just swept in. And anybody who is a Blue October fan probably can will say the same thing. You're just kind of sucked in. But they're one of those bands that nobody really... Has, you know, knows anything about them, but then their fans, the people who do know them, are like all in. And people you know in I the mean? music industry are fans of them as well. True. That's true. But I'm just saying, it's like when I mention them to anybody, they're like, um, okay. You know, like people yeah. don't, they have no idea who I'm talking about. There's a few, but not, not many. They're kind of obscure, but they're freaking awesome. It's rock. If anybody doesn't know that, it's, it's rock. Um, and some stuff, is even on the radio, you know? So, I mean, they're not, like, nobody or anything. They have ten albums. So, mm -hmm. I mean, they're not <laughs> they're not nobody. But they they got together, like, young. Like, 1995, I think. Something like that. And um, it's Justin Furstenfeld. It's the lead singer. And Kazoomtite. <laughs> and it's with his brother and then a couple other guys. But, you know, and so, I mean, he's my age, roughly. A couple years younger, I think. But. So, 95, you know, he mm -hmm. was still a teenager, or maybe right at 20, but anyway, pretty young, and then, so, I mean, they were together several years, you know, before I knew anything about them, but that's been, you know, 11 years now, 12 years almost since I've known them, and I've always, I've been a fan big time since then, but they're the kind of band that, like, the writing, the lyrics are mm -hmm. deep. Yes. And as you know, and and if you kind of, 
I don't know how to say, if you were to go through all of them, which is insane, but if you were to go through in chronologically, you could totally map out Justin's like mind and mm -hmm. where, where he was in these moments because he's always had issues with some mental issues, you know, depression and anxiety and things like that. And mm -hmm. then he had massive drug problem for many years. And then he got sober about right. a nine-ish years ago, something like that. So you can see where he was really, really, like, it was dark. And, yeah. and which, those are really cool songs. <laughs> yeah. But, a lot but, of people write some pretty cool crap in their darkest hours. Exactly. Um, but then you can also see where he started coming out of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he did He did go through rehab. He did go through, um, actually, time in a mental ward. You know, I mean, it's he got pretty deep. Yeah, that's um, where... Sorry to interrupt. No, you're fine. It's cool that he went through that and he actually got out and was able to remain clean because, mm -hmm. as we all know, in the music industry there have been so many right. lead singers that weren't able to do that and yeah. you know died um, very much so yeah a lot is it lane staley from alice in chains jim morrison uh, Jimi hendrix the lead singer of stone temple pilots uh, scott mm -hmm. whalen mm -hmm. whalen however you say his name was it um sublime what, what's uh, his face he he went through sublime's lead singer yeah. um yeah, I mean, there's a lot, obviously. Well, heck, there was, <laughs> yeah, just just tons of them. And it's cool that he was able to come through it. Mm-hmm. And Well, and actually have, <laughs> that's funny, there's a song called I Hope You're Happy. Anyway, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but one of my most favorite, I probably my most favorite um, line of all of their songs is, Everybody owns a scar to show us how we got this far. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's like everybody can relate to that. You know, whether that's regardless true. of what it is, everybody can relate to that. We all have scars, whether they're physical or mental or emotional or whatever. Mm -hmm. Everybody can relate. And then, but that's to me what that speaks that what the that speaks to me about is that own, you need to own where you've been and own your hardships and where you've come from. You know, mm -hmm. and what you've come out of, and you know how you've how far you've gotten, and I just I don't know. That's just something that's always spoken to me, and and I'm going to quote another one. Okay. I guess that's what we're doing here. But one of my most favorite songs, and actually Justin's most favorite song, is when he did finally kind of come out of it and start writing again. This is the song Fear, mm -hmm. and it's this is today. I don't have to fall apart. I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to let the damage consume me. My shadows see through me. And then it's like, then the line is fear in itself will use you up and break you down like you were never enough. Wow. And, but it said, but then it ends with, I used to fall. Now I get back up. Wow. And that, yeah. and that, and that to see, I mean, it was freaking deep, mm -hmm. but, but that's what I mean. Everybody can relate to that pretty much. That's true. We all fall apart. We all feel like we can't, that we're at the bottom or whatever and can't get back up. But, Know, it's encouraging. There, there was actually mm -hmm. an album after all of that where, if you know anything about Blue October, there's a lot of dark stuff, like I said, you know, some pretty mm, crazy stuff. And then he decided 
and with that next album after everything he said no more feeling sorry for justin no more feeling sad mm-hmm. no more negative stuff and he determined all of the songs and everything on that next album were going to be uplifting and happy <laughs> and i knew i know a lot of um fans at that time were pretty pissed off too about that because <laughs> you know yeah. they, they nobody like. wants your lead singer to all of a sudden exactly. be happy that would be horrible <laughs> right but it does change your writing i mean obviously right but you know something he's mentioned in all that too because people have brought it up to him and he's like you know i still have shit that happens i'm still mm-hmm. have stuff where i have bad days or whatever and it's just your music and your lyrics and everything are going to change with you i mean you you can't always write the same. And I never understand why people get stuck on that, where, oh, they're, they've changed and they're not the same. And Well, right. no, and neither are you, so embrace that. Well, yeah, you shouldn't be the same person you were 10, 15, 20 years ago. <laughs> Life should change you up a bit. Exactly. And and that's kind of, to me, that's what it's all about. And I know, like with Blue October, I'm on different fan pages and stuff, because, yes, I'm like that. Mm-hmm. And so many people and i mean so many people are on there saying that they saved their life basically like for real for real right you know that they they were in a bad place and this and that and whatever and that and i mean me myself because you know my situation with work i'm sometimes not happy to be there and i'll put on you know music in my ear and just have it going and it just kind of it gives me a boost you know keeps you going yeah which is why when you went and saw him in uh, September, yeah. you flashed him your boobies. I did not. <laughs> you were on the front row. And de- well, that's true, but I definitely did not flash anybody. And <laughs> you're, you're so silly. Your sister was quite shocked. Whatever. But see, that's what's funny is I got to see them at the stage in right. 2009, obviously, taking pictures. And then whenever they were here in September, they were going to be here last March. Right. But then and, the fucking and then the world started. The, the world stopped. Yes, and although I was disappointed, I mean, duh, I get it. You, know, I, you know, especially at that time, you know, want to be in a building full of people, um, very close, you know. And so then it was going to be it was postponed until like July, and then that didn't happen, obviously. Mm-hmm. So then they finally came out, and it was you know this September, and I was so excited, and I got to see them on night two. They had mm-hmm. just just started their tour, so I got them fresh, and <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. then your dumb butt got sick and didn't get to go, so I took my sister, and she didn't know anything about them, but mm-hmm. she had fun. It was yeah. really fun. It's fun bringing somebody who has no idea what they're getting into. <laughs> yeah, it was not. I wasn't sick with COVID, people. It oh was, no, yeah, he was just yeah, had yeah. some kind of crud, but yeah, he was yeah. actually. Didn't you get tested at the time? I mean, I did get tested. Not, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it just turned out to be just whatever like regular flu, and of course, yeah. it was three weeks before I was supposed to get my flu shot. <laughs> Naturally, <laughs> but anyway, so I finally got to go, and and yeah, I'm a crazy person. I had scheduled off early that day, and I went out there, and yeah, the, I, I was the seventh person. The, the Tower Theater in Oklahoma City ah. was an old one theater little bitty movie house, you know, back in the fifties and all of that. And sometime in the eighties it closed down and there okay, were a group of people time, that yeah. uh, used the did some historic preservation and they saved the whole building that it's in and that uh, the Tower Theater was part of it and they they rehabbed it and they've turned it into a a concert venue, but 
they can also lower a screen and you can rent it and show movies. movies. Yeah, and it's a great little place, actually. But when you have a concert, it's uh, first come, first wherever. Yeah, unless you have the balcony seats, they, those yeah. were, you know, whatever. But I'm like, I don't want to sit way up there. I want to be up close so, because I'm a, well, photographer. I want to be up there and I want to, Yeah. I, I was literally at times leaning backwards, taking pictures as he leaned over. And I'm like, this is so awesome because <laughs> yeah. I'm a dork. But I mean, that's where we also saw Glenn Hansard Glenn the second Hansard. time. And we and were we also were on the front row. T- touching the stage, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That's the way to do it, man. I loved it. But anyway, it was, and they had, they limited how many people were there too. So it wasn't as tightly packed. Right. And we had, you either had to show your card or have a negative test to get in. So, I mean, they, they did what they could. But yeah. anyway, I mean, they're freaking awesome and they're my favorite. And I mean, I don't know what else to say, really. Just, I would highly recommend them to people who, like deep lyrics and cool music and different stuff. I don't know. And and if it was, you got to not mind cussing, so there's definitely some curse words in, yeah. in a lot of his songs, but mm-hmm. it's just how it is. That, that happens. <laughs> that I definitely happens. I'm not sure what else to say about them. Okay. But I, I was expecting more of a doctoral thesis. Well, I mean, I, there's plenty more to say. I'm just... <laughs> I comment, so... I mean, I will likely get a tattoo at some point that that is in my future plan that says get back up on it. I just can't imagine liking something enough to, <laughs> to get, get a, a tattoo, tattoo of it. Uh-huh. Says the man with, what, six? Well, no, I'm not talking tattoos. Tattoos are fine. I just mean being a fan of something so much that you're willing to put that on your body. I just can't imagine that kind of... Says the man with Yoda on his arm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you dork. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, mine would just be words. Just right. get back up. Mm-hmm. And I know that's a common Blue October fan one, but, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, it means something different, I think. I think everybody. Right. It's a personal thing, and that's what he likes about his fans and everything, too, is he won't necessarily explain, and a lot of, I know a lot of artists do this, they won't necessarily explain exactly where they came up with the song or how or what it means to them, because they want you to follow what it means to you. Yeah, well, that's the cool thing about music. You can take a song and play it for 500 Mm -hmm. people, and... Mm-hmm. There will Based. be 400 different meanings because there right, will be because, some people that it means sort of the same. Yeah, but I mean, based on your own experiences and, and what you've been through and things, you know, where you've come from, it's going to mean something different. Yeah. But that's what's cool about just music. I mean, lyrics. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, yeah, so there you go. That's, I guess, I mean, I, that's really all I have to say at this point. I mean... If I were talking to someone who was also in-depth Blue October fan, we could go on and on and on. Right. But it's kind of an introductory, hey, you should listen to them. This is what I think about them. Here are some lyrics that mean something to me, you know? Right, right. There is, on that same song, just as far as lyrics go. Right. Um, One part of it it says the beauty is i'm learning how to face my beast 
starting now to find some peace. Uh-huh. And that to me, that's kind of the same thing. What it means to you is everybody, you're facing your beast or whatever. That could be a billion different things. Right. You know, and for him, but the whole point of that song is fear. Fear in mm-hmm. itself is going to chew you up and spit you out, but you got to get back up. Yes. So, anyway, yeah, there you go. All right. Okay, well, I guess since you're done, I'm going to talk about the soundtrack to The Little Mermaid. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> no, that's not true. <laughs> I would totally be in on that, though. <laughs> <laughs> but I do actually like that soundtrack and did have the CD for it. It's a fantastic soundtrack. <laughs> I know. I know. Hmm. Well, I just realized that I have now talked about what I guess this will be my sixth band or fifth band I'm going to talk about and the second from Ireland. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I can guess. That would be a, a little band that has only been around for 40 years called U2. Me too? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Actually... U2, the band, is the reason why Heather and I don't ever say I love you too. We always say I love you as well mm-hmm. because we're both smart asses. That's true. <laughs> and back when we were dating, one of us would go, I love you too. And the other one would always oh, I do go, too. Oh, I love them. They're oh, awesome. I do too. This is one of my favorite songs. Have you heard that? And so we finally agreed to say I love you also. <laughs> anyway, my preparations for U2. Just because 40 years is a lot of stuff to try to remember, and I knew that I was not going to be able to do that, so I wrote a few things out. By a few things, it's like a (laughs) 47,000 word document. But anyway, (laughs) this is uh, information that I got from U2.com, which is the band's official website, so I am going to assume that it is probably pretty accurate and correct. Probably. So, um, here goes. And I quote, It all began in 1976 when Larry Mullen (laughs) penned a Musicians Wanted ad to the notice board at Dublin's Temple Mount School, drummers seeking musicians to form band. (laughs) So on Saturday, September 25th, 1976, this odd group of people convened in his kitchen, and that's where it started. Oh my gosh, I was two. (laughs) Right? <laughs> the four wow. teenagers, who initially called themselves Feedback, rehearsed in Larry's Dublin kitchen. Obviously, Bono was on vocals, The Edge was on guitar, and Adam Clayton and Larry making up the rhythm section of bass and drums. I've always found it cool that uh, The Edge's parents named him that. Okay. Anyway, I, I just felt that was forward thinking. Mm-hmm. They were inspired by punk, but insulated from the standoffish cool by the Irish Sea. So then feedback became the hype, and then the hype became U2. When did it become U2? It didn't say the exact Mm. year that that happened, but they released uh, just like a single in 1978, I think it said. Oh, okay. So it, it was at least by 1978 that that had happened. That's pretty quickly name change there yeah and they quickly earned a uh, local reputation for their passion and their performances which i totally get yeah and then they were signed by a record label island records i believe and then they 
they started putting out some music. <laughs> Their first album, first studio album, was called Boy, and it came out October 20th, 1980. And then the following year, October 12th of 1981, October came out. February 28th, 1983, War came out. October 1st of 1984, The Unforgettable Fire came out. They have released a lot of albums in October. <laughs> <laughs> and The Unforgettable Fire and War is where they really started uh, gaining speed, having a more radio airplay. Unforgettable Fire, I believe, is where Pride in the Name of Love is on. And then The Joshua Tree came out March 9th, 1987, and that is when U2 exploded into stardom. That was a huge year for them. You could not go very long on MTV without YouTube being oh, played. Yeah. <laughs> and oh, yeah. the radio, the same thing. But it's understandable. It was some amazing, amazing music. And then they followed that up. Uh, well, real quick, Joshua Trees Where the Streets Have No Name, Bullet the Blue Sky. Uh, th that's the album that, that those <laughs> are on. And they followed that up with Rattle and Hum, which came out October 10th, 1988. And Rattle and Hum is weird. It's sort of a studio live kind of thing, mm -hmm. uh, but it's awesome. They did a song with B.B. King, When Love Comes to Town. And if you're a musician and you get to record with B.B. King, that's probably a, a bucket list deal. thing for you. Yeah. So then they waited a little bit. The next album didn't come out until November 18th, 1991. And it was almost completely different from every other album before that, how it sounded. Before that, all of the albums sort of sounded uh, similar. And Octoon Baby was completely different. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely different. <laughs> and But awesome. Yeah, Octoon Baby has one, The Fly. Oh my gosh, it, there's, there's not a bad song on that. No. He's going to ride your wild horses. No, it's the whole so thing. Many, yeah. it's, but it's different. It's very different than it had been. Yeah, it was fantastic. I, I love Octoon Baby. Still and that was followed up by Zuropa, which came out Another March third. <laughs> I'm sorry, Zuropa came out July fifth, nineteen ninety three, and it has a song that the Edge sort of <laughs> sing raps. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is kind of a yeah. odd. I happen at Lemon. I believe is it Lemon? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love Zuropa. My favorite song actually on Zuropa is a song called Zuropa, and it never got uh, radio airplay. And then. Uh, at, that was followed by Pop, which came out March 3rd, 1997. And that had a huge tour. And Bono sort of had this alter ego called The Fly <laughs> that was sort of a tribute slash mockery to the whole lead singer as idol thing. <laughs> and then they followed that up with All That You Can't Leave Behind, which was October 30th, 2000. And then that was followed by How to Dismantle an Atomic Bomb, and Atomic Bomb, which came out November 22nd, 2004, and that has Vertigo, which is an which incredible is awesome. video. The video yeah. is incredible. And that was followed by No Line on the Horizon, which came out February 27th, 2009. And then... Isn't... Isn't... Whatchamacallit? The one... What did you just say? Right how to dismantle an atomic bomb? No. The next one. All that you can't leave behind. Oh, anyway, I don't know. The isn't that the tour that we saw when we saw you two? 
no, we saw you two out from the no line on the horizon. Was tour. that it? Okay, I was trying to remember when it was. Okay. Yeah, I was yeah, close. they they came and played at the football stadium that Bet the Oklahoma Sooners play out play at, and they filled that thing up. Oh, and that was awesome! It was awesome. incredible. I didn't care what my seats were; I was there, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it was it was fantastic to uh, get to go and see him and hear him. And they hadn't been to Oklahoma before that since I think it was. No, oh, I don't know. I think it was the October album, or maybe even more, sometime in between there. And they played at a like a local bar, <laughs> so they no, definitely slightly have, different. They definitely in Norman, Oklahoma, and it was in Norman also. So they've definitely played uh, the high and low <laughs> of playing music in Norman, Oklahoma. Which both would be amazing. You know, honestly, yeah. I'd, I'd love those little dive bar type things. But... Yeah, I actually know someone that was at both. Oh, cool. Yeah, you actually know them too, but oh, okay. we can discuss that later because you're not right. particularly fond of this person. Oh, yeah. then I can probably guess. But anyway. Um, and the, anyway, then after that, they took a slight break. I think it was during that time when Bono broke his hand and mm-hmm. it did quite a bit of uh, damage and he had several surgeries. But anyway, in 2004, September 9th, they released Songs of Innocence. And then December 1st, 2017, they released Songs of Experience. And also, uh, November 21st, 1983, uh, they released a live album, Under a Blood Red Sky, which I believe was recorded at Red Rocks in Colorado. Mm-hmm. And a couple of cool facts. Every album but Songs of Innocence, which reached silver, Songs of Experience, which reached gold, but every other album has reached platinum, (laughs) which is a pretty impressive feat (laughs) to have that many albums that are platinum. No kidding. And they've had eight albums that have reached number one in sales. They've had 35 Billboard Top 100s, and they've had two number ones uh, for singles. So they're is, kind of a big deal. Yeah, they've definitely <laughs> been successful. <laughs> and let me see here. Yeah, from Joshua Tree to Zeropa, those four albums is when it was probably peak U2. Mm-hmm. And that's where most of the songs that they've released are the songs that everybody knows of U2. Well, and that's when you and I... Yeah. Really knew them the best, probably. Yeah, and honestly, there aren't too many bands that have, A, been around for 40 years. True. And B, it's the original band, all of the same members. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That in itself is rare. There are bands that tour under a name of like a band from the 70s, and there's literally not one original member of the band in the right. band. Right, right. You know, and they're touring is jake's sunshine goatee and there's not one original member of the band in that band because it's been 45 years right and uh, the other cool thing in 2005 they were inducted into the rock and roll hall of fame and uh i would imagine with 2017 being their last release they probably can't be too long before they release another one and the other cool thing about u2 is they tour uh, to support their albums way more than a lot of mm-hmm. other bands do, which is totally awesome. And I selected two songs that I just sort of wanted to read the lyrics to. One of them is one from Octune Baby. Mm-hmm. 
which is a pretty deep song. Yeah. I, I would say. Song. Yeah. And uh, it starts out and it's, uh, is it getting better or do you feel the same? Will it make it easier on you? You've got someone to blame. You say one love, one life. It's one need in the night. One love. Get to share it. It leaves you darling if you don't care for it. That's uh, pretty mm. pretty deep. <laughs> it And then, then the next line, the song's obviously about a couple that's going through some things. <laughs> the next line is, did I disappoint you or leave a bad taste in your mouth? You act like you never had love and you want me to go without. Well, it's too late tonight to drag the past out into the light. We're one, but we're not the same. We get to carry each other, carry each other. And then he sings one a whole bunch of time <laughs> for the chorus. And then, and then it goes into, have you come here for forgiveness? Have you come to raise the dead? Have you come here to play Jesus to the lepers in your head? Well, did I ask too much? More than a lot. You gave me nothing. Now it's all I got. We're one, but we're not the same. See, we hurt each other, then we do it again. You say, love is a temple. Love is a higher law. Love is a temple. Love is a higher law. You ask me to enter, but then you make me crawl. And I can't keep holding on to what you got, because all you got is hurt. And then it moves into one love, one blood, one life. You got to do what you should. One life with each other. Sisters and my brothers. One life but we're not the same. We get to carry each other, carry each other. One, 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 one. <laughs> one love, one life. <laughs> but that is just such a, a perfect set of lyrics for people that, or for a couple that, I mean, I guess it could be people that obviously love each other and they've been around each other for a long time, but apparently they were having a rough patch. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's such a good song. Yeah. yeah one of the cool things is, Bono and his wife, they've been married a long time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I've just always got the feeling that either Bono or someone close to him was going through some issues in a relationship and he, he used pinned it. one. <laughs> yeah. Right. Created an incredible song. But I mean, that's what it's all about is using real, you know, experiences. Yeah. Yeah. And the next song is one that I mentioned earlier, Zeropa. And <laughs> Zeropa's. <laughs> Sorry, what? go ahead. Why are you laughing? No, just go ahead. Why? I love that no, song. I do too. Then why were you laughing? I don't understand. <laughs> now I'm sad. Because uh, the lyrics. Okay. So anyway, Zeropa's cool. It sort of talks about, and this was back in the 90s. It's even more so now. This song is probably even more fitting in today's world than it was when Bono penned it. <laughs> it has this really, really long sort of musical opening that starts out low it gets up and as as the volume is going up you just hear what do you want what do you want sort of repeated over and over and then it starts out with a wee bit of german that's what i was laughing about and i'm going to butcher this (laughs) that's why i was laughing (laughs) i don't speak german and at this point i have said it wrong for so long and this is why I was laughing. I already knew <laughs> what was coming. And this I've is, known you for a few right. minutes. And so this is how it's going to come out. <laughs> Zuropa. Vorsprung Deutsch Technik. Fortunately, that's it. 
And then it <laughs> Zuropa, be all that you can be. Be a winner. Eat to get slimmer. That's definitely today's mm-hmm. world. Zuropa, bluer kind of white. Zuropa could be yours tonight. We're mild and green and squeaky clean, which is also sort of the world of advertising on how they mm-hmm. advertise things to you. And then it, re- it goes into music and it repeats the what do you want. And then uh, the next line is Zuropa, better by design. Zuropa, fly the friendly skies. Through appliance of science, we've got that ring of confidence. Once again. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but then the next line is sort of, I think it's kind of talking about a person that's one of those free spirits. In the, so then it goes into, and I have no compass, and I have no map, and I have no reasons, no reasons to get back, and I have no religion, and I don't know what's what, and I don't know the limit, the limit of what we got. And then it's, don't worry, baby, it'll be all right. You got the right shoes to get you through the night. It's cold outside, but brightly lit. Skip the subway. Let's go to the overground. Get your head out of the mud, baby. Put flowers in the mud, baby. Overground. And then it's uh, no particular place names, no particular song. I've been hiding. What am I hiding from? That's pretty Mm -hmm. damn deep lyric. (laughs) (laughs) And then it goes into, don't worry, baby. It's going to be all right. Uncertainty can be a guiding light. I hear voices, ridiculous voices out in the slipstream. Let's go. Let's go overground. Overground. Take your head out of the mud, baby. And then it's sort of as it's the end of the song, it's sort of is, I can't explain it properly. But anyway, <laughs> it's, she's going to dream up the world she wants to live in. She's going to dream out loud. She's going to dream out loud. Dream out loud. Obviously, I read that song way faster than the actual yeah. <laughs> song because it's like well, a seven-minute song. And also, it's done, the song itself is in such an upbeat, you know, funky yeah kind of music and so unless you really know the words you're singing it's just a fun song you know what i mean yeah and the first part of the song it's really weird because it's almost like he's talking about a i don't know uh an instagram Mm -hmm. uh, oh yeah what a influencer influencers yeah the first part of that song is Practically describing an Instagram influencer <laughs> or a TikTok influencer with right. that first part because it's all completely fake and bogus and bullcrap and advertisement. What they want you to see. Yeah, and then it goes into more of a real person that mm. I guess doesn't watch TikTok, <laughs> i.e., me. Right. right. But I'm not that much of a free spirit. <laughs> but I've just always loved that song. It's not a song that. I don't even think it was released on the radio, but it just sort of always spoke to me. And then I realized that it has a lot of meaning for today. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah. I, uh, I love, love you too. (laughs) And right. Me too. Right. And I, I am even able to watch what is perhaps the funniest South Park episode of all time <laughs> that includes Shit. Bono. God dang it, Jack. <laughs> Shit. <sighs> Damn it. And the reason that Bono can do such great no. things, because he has. Bono has done more 
he has done a crap ton for Africa. <clears throat> right? <laughs> he, uh, he's, he's got a lot of countries to forgive debt to African countries, which is really good for them. Oh, yeah. Uh, for the African countries. Yeah. And um, he's done a lot for charity to get AIDS mm-hmm. medication to Africa. And that's what I like. I think people yeah. who have money and power and everything like that should do something yeah. you know, like that kind of thing. And, with it. and back to the South Park episode, the reason that Bono can do such great things and help so many people, <sighs> but still be crappy is because he's a piece of shit. <laughs> In the if, movie or in the if, in the episode, if people, if people aren't <laughs> South Park watchers or you know fans or whatever, don't get it. Yeah, they're literally they're saying he's a literal. Yeah, you know, piece of shit. So it's a it's a funny episode. <laughs> it is funny, I have to admit. It but. it speaks largely to the fourteen year old uh, boy that still lives inside of me. Yes, because it's shit humor. Yes, but it's funny. I mean, <laughs> yeah. It is funny. <laughs> And, uh, I'll admit that. I don't know if my sister knows this, but when my... <laughs> How old is John? 11? 11. Yeah. When he came to stay with me about two months ago, we watched that episode. Oh, we didn't really watch the whole episode, though. No, we did watch the whole episode. Did we? Oh, oh I yeah. thought it was just Yeah, that. no, okay. we did. It's because there were no commercials, so it went faster. Oh, okay. Gotcha. But, you know, that's what uncles well, do. He can handle that. That's... Right. <laughs> But anyway, back to actual YouTube. <laughs> uh, if you've, at this point, never listened to YouTube, one, How? where have you been the where last Where have you been? Literally, years? you're under a rock, because there's no way. But anyway, <laughs> give, them, give them a listen. And uh, oh, God. you know, Heather, speaking of listening, oh, God. I think everybody <laughs> should listen to this ad. Here's an ad. You're listening to the musings of an ADD mind podcast. All right, we're back. I hope you enjoyed those ads. Or ad, in the case of my little tiny podcast, which only has the one. But anyway, I hope you enjoyed it. And now I'm going to uh, toss it back over to Heather, and she's going to talk about her second band. Okay. So, my second band will, again, shock you, I'm sure, Jack. And mm-hmm. it's a, a, a little little rock band out of uh, California, I believe. The Jefferson um, Airplane? Definitely not. But oh. this band is very, very, it's very personal. And whenever I listen to them or anything like that, I'm automatically brought back to when Jack and I first were dating. So, it's a band that I talked about. In November? <laughs> Counting Crows. <laughs> so it's a band that I talked about in November? Yes. <laughs> no, that's to. fine because it's going to mean different. different things to you. Yeah. And and that's what I'm saying. It's, I mean, yes, you talked about it, but it's still, it's different. Because mm-hmm. what, what they mean to me now, because of course I'm mushy. So right. for me, it's automatically it represent a lot of it in my brain and my heart is you and I mm-hmm. it's us because they formed in I think 91 but and then their first album was 93 I think was that yeah. right they've been with us our entire our entire yeah because Jack and I met in um 91 and so yeah. 
And so we were dating, and you know, this song came out. She was a big fan of In Shape 1991 Jack's ass. (laughs) Anyway, so um, this song comes out, Mr. Jones. It's freaking awesome. It's bouncy. It's fun, you know, and we both are Mm -hmm. like, whoa, this is cool. I like this. That is true. And that did it, you know, and we were fully absorbed. And, and, you know, fast forward to when we were driving to live in Texas, you know, we're in my old. 75 Monte Carlo, Jesus Christ, <laughs> yeah. driving with the, because, you know, the, we couldn't play CDs in it or anything like that, right. so I, I had that boombox on well, my as I as I mentioned in the, <laughs> the one I did, mm-hmm. August did everything after we had on CD and cassette. Yes. <laughs> but I remember But the Monte driving. Carlo didn't have a cassette player. So. Right, and that's what I was getting to, is <laughs> This is, it had a radio that you push the little buttons and that was it. You know, I love that car, but, you know, so we had that big old stereo, you know, a boombox. Hang on, though. Uh, What? So when when we first got married, I was stationed at Fort Hood and we were driving from Oklahoma City to Fort Hood and we had a rental truck that had all of our stuff in it and we had to stop and fill the Monte Carlo up (laughs) and we didn't have to fill up the rental truck. With gas. <laughs> True story. <laughs> True story. That thing got maybe I don't know twelve miles a gallon. On a good if that, day. Is that? Yeah. <laughs> it's a V eight. That sucker was awesome. But yeah. yeah. Anyway, back to anyway. So I I'm he drove and I had that you know on my lap and and we were playing that CD just over and over. I mean that's mm-hmm. and. It, and by then, we already knew every word to every song. Well, and, yeah. And plus, uh, at that time, too, <clears throat> Recovering the Satellites had also come out. True. And it was just, I don't know. So for me, it, it goes back to my late teens, early 20s, you know, and, and just where I was in life, mm-hmm. getting engaged, getting married, starting a new life and everything. You know, I mean, so obviously that goes back to a whole different, you know, thing in my brain. And it brings up mushy feelings. And, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and even though Mr. Jones is what got me to like them in the first place, because obviously that's what they first put out there. Um, but my my most favorite song, and I'm sure that you know this, mm-hmm. um, is called Colorblind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which isn't and on either of those albums. No. Um, what is Colorblind on now? Actually, uh, I mentioned it, it last Last time, uh, I can't think of it, but it was also on the soundtrack to Cruel Intentions. Oh, yes, it was. Yes, it was. Um, Colorblind was on, I'm looking. Anyway, their their third album, This Desert Life. Yeah, This Desert Um, Life. And what the song really is about. Well, it's about his. Is his depression. Well, well, no, it's it's that, but it's about his condition because he has that weird condition where he like leaves sort of that disassociative yes yes condition and that's really what the the song is about okay disassociative well i'm gonna read i mean it's a very short song okay (laughs) it says i am colorblind which could be misleading somebody you know you you hear that and they're like colorblind and what he's really saying is he doesn't see you know everything it's just all Mm -hmm. kind of um i'm colorblind coffee black and egg white pull me out from inside I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. I am taffy, stuck, and tongue-tied. Stutter shook and uptight. Pull me out from inside. I am ready, I am ready, I am ready. I am fine. And you're like, 
you know, are you fine? Because it mm. doesn't sound like you're fine. Yeah. That's <laughs> um, generally what people that have sort of exactly. mental health issues, I'm fine, is mm -hmm. the, the common and response. the whole pull me out from inside is, to me, he's... And then, again, this could mean a lot of different things. I know mm -hmm. what it means for him, but it could mean I'm down in my own whatever. Mm -hmm. Whether, you know, whether I'm lost or whatever, it's like, pull me out. He's asking for help. Right. And so then the next is, I'm covered in skin. No one gets to come in. Pull me out from inside. I am folded and unfolded and unfolding. I am colorblind. Coffee black and egg white. Pull me out from inside. I'm ready. And then the, it ends in with, I am fine. I am fine. And he's saying it over and over. And I'm just like... Rattling it off like that doesn't give the depth of the song, right. obviously, because it's very, it's slow, it's melodic, it's yeah, sad it, It's also one of the few songs that, well, I guess not few, but when they play it live, it's pretty oh. much the studio version, and it's really yeah. cool because it's just piano. sort of Adam at a piano mm -hmm. with a spotlight on him. And honestly, I don't even remember if the rest of the band was playing because you're so focused on Adam. They so I, I don't remember. Okay, see, obviously we, you do. And we got to see, um, as everybody knows, we got to see Counting Crows a few years back. And I was, like, so excited. And honestly, she probably was. more excited. Huh? You were very excited. Probably more excited than Blue October, to be honest right. with you. I mean, like, I was well, just... We had a longer relationship exactly. with Counting Crows. <laughs> And, I mean, oh, it was just, oh, just, it was driving, I mean, I'm excited just talking about it. And it was at the zoo, zoo amphitheater, for anybody who, it's an outside amphitheater. See um, the, seeing the last <laughs> two music, because right. we explained the zoo amphitheater. Okay. <laughs> and um, I'm there, and, and it's just exciting just to be there and everything, but when he's playing colorblind, and again, it's slow, melodic, it's deep, it's sad sounding it's mm -hmm. i don't know how to describe it but and it is it's him with a piano and a spotlight and it's dark so all you see is that mm -hmm. and he starts playing and <laughs> jack can tell you this he looks over and i'm crying yeah and, and, he did that on multiple. <laughs> and it's not many you know people not many bands and songs that will just make and i cry easily anyway but that's um, also true <laughs> but for songs or a band you know to get to me like that it you know i don't just fall apart like that but yeah there were several times and that one in particular mm -hmm. that one just gets me every time i don't know it's just it's deep and it's sad and it, i just it makes me want to give him a hug you know what i mean mm -hmm. yeah and you <laughs> and that's, also uh that's how i am i want to the hug tears everybody. started flowing for holiday in spain yes oh my gosh Yes, there's another one. I noticed that when they played Holiday in Spain, you were not the only uh, female that was crying. A large portion of them in the crowd were. Really? Yeah. I didn't realize that. I, I think a lot of lady folk like that song. Which is funny because that was another one that I was going to talk about. <laughs> oh, well, sorry to interrupt. I guess that was no, a perfect segue. perfect segue. <laughs> yeah, my segues are getting much better They're as I do top this. notch, top notch. So, good lead-in. Um, mm -hmm. Holiday in Spain. Again, it's kind of a slow, you know, sweet-sounding mm -hmm. song. I, I I like to try to describe a little bit. It's it's weird when you're just listening to words and you're just reading off lyrics. Right. Um, Unfortunately, we don't want to get copyrighted. We can't, right. <laughs> and there's piano and, you know, it's, but it's a, 
I don't know. It's a nice... It's not as deep and sad sounding, but it's slow and kind of soft. Anyway, <laughs> so that one, and I won't read all of them. It's a longer song. Uh, <laughs> right. Um, but it starts with got no place to go, but there's a girl waiting for me down in Mexico. She's got a bottle of tequila, a bottle of gin, and if I bring a little music, I could fit right in. And if I could sing, I would just sing this because it's like in my head, you know, but I won't do that to y'all. <laughs> we got airplane rides, we got California drowning out the window side, we got big black cars, and we got stories how we slept with all the movie stars. Now, that doesn't sound sad or whatever, it just sounds nice, you know. Mm-hmm. And I may take a holiday in Spain, leave my wings behind me, drink my worries down the drain, and fly away to somewhere new. And that's where it's just like, oh, you know. <laughs> I think everybody's wanted to. At some point, yeah. drink their sorrows away and fly away to somewhere new. I just like it how, you know, it starts out with, it sounds like a bunch of fun, you know? Mm-hmm. Got no place to go, da-da-da, you know, we got big black cars, and da- and and then he kind of talks about drink my worries down the drain and fly away to someone new. And of course, here's mm-hmm. the next part is my, the part we always kind of giggle at. Okay. But it says, hop on my choo-choo, <laughs> I'll be your engine driver in a bunny suit. And if you dress me up in pink and white, we may be just a little fuzzy about it later tonight. And mm-hmm. I don't know. It just always makes me giggle. I like that part. It always makes me think of Ralphie from A Christmas Story <laughs> yeah. as an adult. But and he ended up with a furry kink. Yeah, oh, God. Anyway. <laughs> I'll con- I will continue. Your damn ADD. <laughs> it, it goes on. Sorry, y'all. Um... She's my angel. She's a little better than the one that used to be with me because she liked to scream at me. Man, it's like, or it's a miracle that she's not living up in a tree. I don't know. It's just kind of funny. Yeah. Well, take a holiday in Spain. You know, and it just goes on. The ending of it, where it kind of closes, is it says, um, oh, well, happy New Year's, baby. We could probably fix it if we clean it up all day. Or we could simply pack our bags and catch a plane to Barcelona because this city's a drag a holiday in Spain, you know, and fly away to somewhere yeah. new and all that stuff. And I don't know. And it it doesn't sound like a song you would cry to. Yeah. But, but apparently it makes, <laughs> turns on the waterworks. But when you listen to it, and when you listen to Adam, Adam Duritz, when you listen to him singing it, it's, I don't know. He, he puts a lot of emotion into it. And, and obviously we like singers who put a lot of emotion in that goes back to back to back to back it seems to be a blue october um this something i did forget i'm going now i'm doing add wow is that what that's like you know with blue october justin Mm -hmm. and as you've i've shown you live stuff that dude yeah i mean like you can you can almost see the emotion like coming out of his pores it's like yeah that's Everything. Him and Glenn Hansard are both like Very, that. yeah, and that's the other, I was going to say Glenn Hansard too. It's, those are people that you, when you see certain people live, mm. you feel, and that's what this comes to. You feel him, yeah. like the depth of it, and you it makes you kind of feel sad because you're like, you know, he's saying happy things, but then he's like, yeah, but I kind of just want to go away. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't yeah. know. But yeah, there were a lot of people, I guess, crying. I I remember you looking over at me several times, like catching me if (laughs) Mm -hmm. if I'm crying. I'm like, yes, I'm crying. I don't care. But one of my favorite shirts that I have that you got for me years ago, 
was a Counting Crows lyric, you know, yep. this says, pull me out from inside. Of course, when other no people ever gets it. read that, they don't understand. They think it's weird, but yeah, that's, uh, but that's okay. I don't know. And it's cool because like, our kids like Counting Crows too. You know? That is true. Namely, because as I have stated before, when we were in the car, yeah. we listened <laughs> we the to car a lot. <laughs> driving somewhere, which we, we've made lots of trips to Indiana from mm-hmm. Oklahoma. And that's a fairly long drive. Mm-hmm. And we listened to our music, not their music. <laughs> well, but at the same time, I mean, we got cool kids. Well, you know, yeah, they, I mean, we got, we have, right. we have cool kids. Shut up. We've got, they're not like, I mean, yeah, they liked stuff that we didn't like, but yeah. like when that damn wub 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 music happened, but it, you know, for the most part. I believe that's called dubstep. <laughs> I know, but I call it wub wub wub. That's still a thing, right? I don't uh, know. <laughs> I, I don't listen to pop stations anymore. But I'm just saying that they actually pretty much liked a lot of what we liked and yeah the brainwashing worked it worked <laughs> now when i grew up my dad was playing piano on the dashboard to oldie shit that uh, well, the difference is that music sucked not all of it i mean some of it was fun well but, that's true it all didn't suck but it, it depends know, they could everything make... pre-1964 <laughs> 63-ish well but the difference is, is they couldn't make, you know, playlists or... Right. You, you know what? Tapes. <laughs> Just saying that, I pissed off every single Elvis Presley boomer <laughs> fan that's a boomer. <sighs> well, the they're one. not listening anyway. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm i kidding. Anyway. um, Yeah, I'm just saying. it's, And we didn't... We had our little Walkmans, you know, with our mm-hmm. <sighs> cassette tapes and stuff like that. So, we tried. Yeah, yeah. But they didn't have, ca- you know, sound noise canceling headphones back then. No, nope, nope, nope. So you heard everything. <laughs> yeah, '80s headphones on Walkman mm. pretty much suck. Kids today, you guys, you don't you know the struggle. Just don't know, man. The Walkmans where you had to have enough batteries with you, and then mm. you know you could still hear your dad singing, you know, playing the piano to Jerry Lee Lewis and. Um, great balls of fire, you know. It's like, mm-hmm. oh god, and you're trying to turn up your whatever. Yeah, or your dad. My, my damn to... rock and roll music that I was listening to. Yeah, or your dad listening to, I don't know, Randy Travis or something. Like eh, usually did. on car trips, he didn't. Usually on car ro- uh, trips, he he played, you know, yeah. that kind of the oldie stuff or whatever. So, yeah. But if we were just driving around together in the car or whatever, then it was country. But anyway. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's, I'm good with mine. I mean, okay. Counting Crows is one of those things that, again, there's a lot. Yeah. You know, you could go on and on, but that's kind of where I'm at. So, yeah. It's okay. all mushy and sentimental for me. Right. Still, I still listen to them all the time. So, I guess I'll jump yeah. in and take over and talk about my next band and or artist. And that would be The Doors. Ah, okay. And, uh, Doors had a pretty <coughs> prolific five-year period, roughly from 1967 to 1971. It's amazing that five years. Yeah. And, and, and everybody still knows. Anyway, go ahead. It ended because Jim Morrison... Ended? Yes. Died in a... The story is a little fishy. I'm not going to mm. go into uh, the death of Jim Morrison. Yeah, no. Just, he died. Um, Jim Morrison was definitely a unique person. 
you know, earlier I mentioned how Bono sort of played that character called the Fly, which was sort of, you know, the embodiment of the lead singers of bands. Well, that was Jim Morrison, but he wasn't faking it. Wasn't, that was yeah. really Jim Morrison. <laughs> he was like that. He was... Out there? He de yeah, he definitely uh, was his own person. His dad was in the Navy. He moved around a lot as a kid. Uh, his dad actually made it to the rank of Admiral, which is pretty impressive. And uh, Jim Morrison went to film school at, I believe, UCLA. And that's where he met that, yes, it was uh, yeah, Ray Manzarek. They were... They had some classes together, and that's how he met him. And apparently he was a halfway decent filmmaker. And a uh, good student. Yeah. Uh, well, he <laughs> was... Jim Morrison probably could have been in Mensa. He was incredibly yeah, smart. Yeah, he was very intelligent. He wrote poetry his entire life. And after he, I guess, was done with UCLA, he, was, uh, he had a friend that, <laughs> I guess, had a sort of two-story building, and the top of the roof was a flat roof. And that's where Jim lived, <laughs> on the roof. But of course. Why? Yeah, and he was walking on the beach one day, and he well, saw he was Ray. A free spirit. He saw Ray, and they started talking, and Ray sort of said, what are you doing? And Jim's like, well, I've been writing some songs. And Ray liked his lyrics. And Ray's like, hey, I'm in a band. Jim came and sang. The other guys in the band weren't as fond as Jim. Because at first, Jim was quite shy. And then Ray Man, or uh, just funny. <laughs> yeah, and then Robbie Krieger and John Dinsmore came in, and Robbie was, I think he was only eighteen or nineteen years yeah, old. Yeah, he was young. And he completely lied to them about how long he had been playing guitar. He apparently had only been playing for like seven or eight months, and told him he'd been playing since he was like fifteen. <laughs> but I guess he must have been fairly good. decent. Yeah, <laughs> he got the job. They started, you know, rehearsing, and and then they ended up at the Whiskey a Go Go. Which in L.A., Which if you become like the house the, band at the Whiskey yeah. A Go-Go, you are going to get a record deal. Yeah, you've peaked a big moment. In the, yeah. <laughs> I'm, and I'm talking like well into the 80s. Molly Crew was the house band at the mm -hmm. Whiskey A Go-Go. So that is, uh, is pretty cool. And Jim was still sort of his own fellow. He uh, apparently went to a, I guess it was a bar, cafe or something, and he was barefoot because he didn't own any shoes. And uh, the guy was like, hey, you got to have shoes to come in here. And Jim came back, and he just had on one shoe. <laughs> I was like, "What?" and Jim's like, hey, you just said I need to be wearing a shoe. You didn't say it plural. And the guy was like, you got me on a technicality. <laughs> but that's just sort of the person Jim was. And initially, when they would play live, because Jim was so shy, he turned around and faced the band because that's how they rehearsed. He never looked at the crowd, so they would be singing yeah. up on stage, and everybody just saw everybody. his. Yeah, everybody was just looking at his back, <laughs> and you know they're like, "Dude, you're you're gonna have to face the crowd." And obviously, he got over that fear, and then they got signed by Electra, and it was pretty much based off their performance of a song called "The End," which is a rather mm. long song that is well known for a Oedipal section in that song. I'm but not, it's a good song. <laughs> yeah, it's sort of it. It has some references that other references in it as well. Like when he's talking about meet me at the back of a blue bus. The blue bus, yeah. Well, that's if you're a military brat, you know what a the mm. blue bus is. That's what military buses are that take you around different parts on a, a military installation. They're all blue. It's some sort of reference to 
you know, something mm-hmm. military. I don't know exactly if it's somebody got drafted or or whatever, but the end is it's a it's a long song. I wanna say it's like twelve minutes long. It's long, I don't know, yeah. I'll I'll let you go and listen to it so you can hear the Oedipal section for the first time yourself. Well, there's a cut I'll just version leave it of that. it too. Well, no, you want to listen to but that. You version. want to listen to the whole, yeah. But that, and then that was on their first album, "The Doors, The Doors," and that's actually where their uh, biggest hit, "Light My Fire," came from. Which, ironically enough, was written by Robbie, not Jim. Mm-hmm. The only line Jim came up with is, "And our love becomes a funeral pyre." In Break on through to the other side is on that. And of course, a gem that I find on there is the Crystal Ship. I love that song. Yeah, so it, it's a great song, the Crystal yeah. Ship. Totally yeah. worth a listen. And they followed that up with Strange Days because their 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 contract that they signed with Electra was seven for seven albums. So think about they put out seven mm-hmm. albums in five years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is difficult to do. Yeah, it's nuts. Now, one of them was a live album, so they technically put out six, mm-hmm. which is still impressive for five years. Right. Uh, strange Days has People Are Strange, which has mm-hmm. been covered by a bunch of people mm-hmm. in different bands. And then it has Strange Days and When the Music's Over, which is another long song. Five to One is also on there, I believe. Mm-hmm. And then the third album is Waiting for the Sun. And now I'm drawing a... Uh, Let's see. The fourth album is The Soft Parade, correct? And then Morrison Hotel came out. Mm-hmm. And then Absolutely Live, which is their live one. And then they followed that up with L.A. Woman. And L.A. Woman was the first one that had a different uh, engineer or producer than mm-hmm. uh, all their other albums had had. And they actually didn't record that in a studio. They recorded it in the offices of The Doors. And Jim recorded all of the vocals in the bathroom because it had the best echo, <laughs> which is a cool fact. They didn't have, you know, all the yeah. And now, so. and uh, the last one has "L.A. Woman" on it, which has been played a ton, covered by Billy Idol as well. Mm-hmm. And then "Riders on the Storm," which was one of like the top five songs played throughout the 1970s, oh, wow. which is pretty impressive. And then Jim got into some. Uh, legal problems in miami it depends on who you talk to some people say he exposed <laughs> exposure <laughs> he exposed a little mr morrison and other people are like no it was just he was he holding was, his shirt in playing, front of him and he yeah. was saying do you see it do you see it and he'd move it out of the way so i don't know it doesn't he, matter yeah jim morrison was also the first uh, musician to ever get arrested on stage <laughs> that was in new haven connecticut they did a big European tour with Jefferson Airplane and Grace Slick, who was in Jefferson Airplane, is well known for her fondness of drugs. Mm-hmm. And she was impressed by the amount that Jim Morrison could t- could do. Jeez. Yeah. And then uh, they have several songs that are released on some compilation albums that never actually mm-hmm. made it to the studio albums. Of course, now that's the great thing about streaming services is you can just go and find them. And then there's another song called Who Scared You, which is about a night of cocaine use. Also an excellent song, though. (laughs) It is. It's it's very catchy. Yeah. And so, you know, definitely give The Doors a a try. 
sometimes Jim's lyrics are a little sort of out there, but that that's just he, Jim. He was a poet. I mean, yeah. <laughs> and he, he sort of viewed every song that he wrote as a poem. 1971, Jim was living in Paris, uh, but apparently he had, he had stopped using drugs and he'd grown a big beard and put on some weight. But grew a big belly, too, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he put on some weight, and uh, he was found dead in a bathtub. There's some questions on, did, did he actually die taking a bath? Was he put there? You know, no one's ever yeah. going to know. And the only person that was there with him was Pam. his common-law wife, Pamela. Yeah. And she died in, like, 1974. So <laughs> you're not going to be able to yep. ever get the truth and know what happened. Because <laughs> all parties involved are not with us. No. And he's buried in Paris. And <laughs> he's buried at a famous cemetery. And his tombstone, his tombs, his, his where he's well, buried is a is a place where people go and visit all yeah. the time. And somebody, and, some guy that lived in, I don't know, somewhere behind the Iron Curtain, carved a Jim Morrison uh, bust, and then he snuck through the lines and put it put it there, and then it got stolen. And I think they're on like the fifth bust at this point. And people ride on it and. Yeah. All kinds of stuff. Yeah, and the cemetery is full of graffiti that mm -hmm. has Jim with arrows pointing on how to find him. Which is cool, but... But not cool. <laughs> but not cool at the same time, yeah. And the Doors have had a larger influence on general music than sort of non-music bands or no. People that are in the business, a lot of them count the Doors Especially in the 80s and the 90s. Count the Doors as a major influence. Mm -hmm. And, Un yeah. Understandable. So. And see, another band that is, sounds funny, but kind of, for me, is sentimental and makes me, makes my brain on the sheets because the first time that I met you, Jack, you were wearing a Doors t-shirt. Yeah. I was a big Doors fan in high school. And, and he was wearing a, it was like, orange tie-dye looking kind of mm -hmm. doors t-shirt and he had mm -hmm. a um um whatchamacallit that necklace on that beaded necklace mm -hmm. and black jeans and yes and i remember i still <laughs> that's the very first time i saw you that's yeah y'all thought i was joking when i said she liked my butt i that's i mean that's my story is he was walking in the door and i was walking out the door and i turned <laughs> To check out his butt. I mean, I'm being yeah. honest. And yeah. but, but as I turned and was checking out your butt, I looked up and your face was facing me as well. So you were checking out my butt, and we saw mm -hmm. that each other were looking at each other, and we're like, "Oh shit!" So true story. <laughs> yeah. But that's actually how I got to know the Doors was mm -hmm. through you. I'd yeah. only vaguely heard, you know, some stuff like mm -hmm. my buyer, you know, or whatever. But yeah. I didn't know much about them at all. Yeah. So you opened a door, huh? I did. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so. that was a pretty, pretty <laughs> good segue. <laughs> yeah. And so. speaking of open doors, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> door. <laughs> That's pretty much all I got on the doors. Definitely uh, go to whatever your streaming service is and maybe give some of those songs I mentioned a try. I would almost recommend starting with the Crystal Ship, though. Yes, I agree. I agree. That's yeah, it's, actually my favorite. It's a love song, but the last line. 
makes you wonder. <laughs> right. But <laughs> yeah. still my favorite. <laughs> yeah. So start out with the crystal ship if you want, you know, my recommendation. So yeah, anyway. And I like Love Street too. But yeah. Anyway. Um, I guess we're going to go with your honorable mention, which is just a song that you like. It doesn't matter if you like anything else by that particular artist. It could be a one-hit wonder. It could be a no-hit wonder. Just a band that you like that's never, you know, cracked the top 40. Well. Any time frame. It's definitely not something. This isn't a song that I only like just this song. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I definitely like this artist. Mm-hmm. But, it, you know, it's completely different than anything we've talked about. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so my honorable mention. Rubber Ducky by Ernie. Definitely not. Oh. I love that song. But no, my honorable mention is George Jones. Oh, he, yeah. He stopped loving her today. Yeah, the saddest <laughs> song ever written. The saddest song ever <laughs> written. And it's funny because growing up, I sang it word for word. Yeah. Okay, if anybody doesn't know this. I, I mean, did too. And it hit me. Knows, like, I grew up full country. My dad was pure, like, just country, you know? Yeah. And, um, and then, of course, oldies, as I mentioned, but... Um, so I grew up on George Jones and as did I. Hank, Hank Senior and Junior, and you know all all of those, and um, and so you know I sang along. I knew all the words because mm-hmm. I had to. I mean, you, you can't help it when you hear it all the time. And then yeah, suddenly one day it hits you, like oh shit, you know why he stopped loving her. Yeah, <laughs> well, it was the same thing because it was early '80s when that song came out, and Dad played it. Uh, when we were traveling, because he was in the Air Force, yeah, when we went yeah. to visit family, we would drive to Indiana. And that's a lot of, especially from like Texas to Indiana. Yeah. It was a long drive from Oklahoma City, but from right. Abilene, Texas. That's a big To drive. Terre Haute, Indiana is a big old drive. Mm-hmm. And dad would always listen to George Jones. My dad was a huge music fan as well. Yes. And a lot of times he would listen to George Jones as everybody was sort of supposed to be asleep in the car. And a lot of times I would Mm. uh, fake that I was asleep. (laughs) Just to tell you how long ago this was, we would uh, take some blankets and pillows (laughs) and lay them on the floorboard. And my younger brother would sleep on the floorboard and I would sleep on the seat. And and my sister would sit in the front seat behind or in between mom and dad. Yeah. Because that's what we did. That's what yeah, we did. Yeah, and that's what we did. So a lot of times I wasn't actually asleep. I was just faking being asleep, and I would look at stars. And <laughs> Dad would play George Jones, and he stopped loving her today, would frequently play. Mm-hmm. And I would, and so I knew it and sang it. And one time, oh, I don't know, I was 15 or 16. I was 15 or 16, and we were going right. somewhere with Dad, and he was playing that. And then it just hit me, and I was like, right. Holy shit, that dude croaked. Yeah, yeah. I was a teenager when it, it when it suddenly hit me too. And, yeah. and I cuz I remember looking at my dad and I was like, oh, and he kind of looked at me, you know how my dad kind of had that weird smirk, you know. Yeah. And he smirked at me and I was like, I just realized what this song was about. Yeah. And he just laughed at me cuz of course he teased me cuz, you know. Right. To him it was like, duh. Well, when it happened to me, it was like a movie moment where all of a sudden my brain played <laughs> back every played time <laughs> I was in the car singing that song to myself. <laughs> and then a smack in your face. Oh <laughs> and then it like, yeah, it comes forward and then the song reaches out and George Jones punched me in the mouth. Yeah. Well, I mean, it starts with, he said, I'll love you till I die. And then, yeah, you know, yeah. so you're like, okay. And yeah, then you don't, you don't put the two together until like, oh. they place 
they placed Aretha upon you know. I yeah, know, they, you just, you're like, oh, that's why they placed Aretha upon his door. <laughs> I never even thought about Aretha, what what that meant. Yeah, I just know? thought it was like Christmas or Christmas, something. I don't me know. Too. <laughs> See, <laughs> how funny because Aretha to me was Christmas time. That's funny. Yeah. And soon they'll carry him away. I mean, when you think about it, it's like, duh. I mean, it's very clear. Well, yeah, but when you're seven or eight. But when you're a kid, it doesn't really, I don't know. You just think of, I don't know. I don't know what I thought. Because now that yeah. I know, it, it, I can't go back to unknowing. Right. And, it is the know. saddest song. But it is. Ever. Yes. Ever. But but I love George Jones. And, I, and it was, I was so sad when he died, too. But. Yeah. And little known story. Well, you know it. But um, my parents had tickets to george jones and hank jr mm -hmm. in, in the 80s and um i think 83 or something like that it was a long time ago and um so they showed up and everything and it was george opening for or no 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 i'm sorry it was hank mm -hmm. opening for george and so hank played and mom and dad said you know it was just awesome it was amazing and no show jones <laughs> no showed never showed george jones had a issue with Coke alcohol issue <laughs> and i think yeah. also he liked the nose candy yes so and i mean that's he he earned that name um no show jones and mm -hmm. uh and which is funny because my mom had a t-shirt that they got from the concert that said i saw the possum and it has little yeah. possum feet on it you know and it's like but you didn't <laughs> right yeah but but so um but hank jr ended up just playing he just kept on playing the entire show the whole mm. time yeah his time, his cool. set, and George Jones' set, because he never showed up. Yeah. And dad, my dad said that was like the best concert he'd ever seen. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I can't imagine how worn out Hank Jr. was, but he did it. I mean, he did, yeah. What else are you gonna do? Leave yeah. early? I mean, he figured yeah. they they paid for it. Let's. I'm sure they paid a whole ten dollars back then, but right, you know. <laughs> but yeah, so or anyway, Ticketmaster ruined everything. I know, right. Yeah. yeah. Our our kids can't believe that, you know, we used to go to twenty dollar concerts. They're like, huh? Right. Yeah. <sighs> well, some people still do cheap concerts. Right. Austin yeah. artists, but anyway. Right. So that's my honorable mention. I guess I I've sort of <clears throat> had a hard time figuring out an honorable mention for this one. Mm-hmm. So I don't I've just had a had a difficult time trying to figure out who I was gonna pick or the song i was gonna pick because there are so many right trapped in this what brain of, this old brain of mine i didn't have mine picked out until right before <laughs> yeah so last time i went with edie burkell and the new bohemians so i thought i would continue that theme with a one-hit wonder only this one is a one-hit wonder from the 90s and that would be lisa loeb stay oh you mm -hmm. say <clears throat> that is a phenomenal song it it's is. really good so she has got a lot of mileage out of that song which is <laughs> fine more power to her um and to be honest with you i never actually have tried to listen to any of her other songs I don't, <laughs> but i love I, stay yeah i have a streaming service i should probably take my own advice and <laughs> give some of her other music a listen mm -hmm. but yeah stay is a fantastic song and sort of deals with confusion of i guess being young and in a relationship right so it's a great song give her a listen Could, is, is it possible can we break up the thing here you know change things up a little bit and have another honorable mention because i couldn't come up with one 
you know, until the very end, until you, you we were about it. to start. I know, until I, we were about to start. So and, you want a second honorable and mention? And now I want an, an, a second honorable mention. Because I thought of one as you were talking. <laughs> as I was talking about Edie Raquel. Lisa Lowe and Edie Raquel. When you mentioned Edie Raquel, and then it got my brain going, even mm -hmm. though I was, I don't know. So yeah. Is that, is if, that allowed? Can we ADD this moment? Well, at and, this point, everybody hopefully would have listened to November's music episode, and you'll understand that not only do I like the song from Edie Burkell, but there's another reason why. Okay. <laughs> and uh, okay. at the time it hasn't, that Heather and I are recording this, <clears throat> the November music hasn't come out yet. So I'm just going to leave you in suspense. That's fine. I'll, I'll listen anyway, so I'll hear right? it at some point. Okay, so what? Was that going to be your honorable mention, Edie Burkell and the New Bohemians, or just um, copying my last episode? No. Oh. <laughs> no, my other honorable mention, because it made me think, because you were saying One Hit Wonder and stuff like that, and it made mm -hmm. me think, and not necessarily One Hit Wonder, but somebody that a lot of people don't know a mm -hmm. lot about, and I want to mention, because I'm okay. like, you should totally listen, mm -hmm. is Joss Stone. Oh, yeah, yeah, she um, had that. Uh, it's the, the right to be wrong is the song that everybody yeah. knows. Um, actually, no, right to be wrong is the one that I'm mentioning. The one that everybody knows is "You Had Me," or however. Now I can't think of. It. Yeah, but um, but right to be wrong is the one that I'm mentioning. But Joss Stone, she's just British. She's young, but not now. She's, well, okay, but still. I'm, I'm um, just saying, she's not young now. <laughs> She's but probably she, in her forties. She's not in her forties. Um, she's got to be in her forties. No, I'm there's no way. That shit, right now. You do it too. Just I freaking um, dare you. She's singing. not in her forties. Well, you don't want to believe that because that would make us older. And huh, yeah, look at that. She's Thirty-four. Thirty-four. <laughs> so and I'm kiss, I'm rounding up. Kiss my ass. Anyway, <laughs> she. <laughs> Um, she's young, okay, so, um, but I heard, when I first heard her, I was like, oh, this is cool, you know, sounds really mm. cool and everything, and then, so I looked her up, and I was like, holy crap, because mm. she's one of those people that you hear her voice, right? and then you see her, and you're like, wait, what? Because it doesn't, they don't, they don't go. Mm. She, she's this young, really cute, blonde, white chick, you know, and real like bohemian type style you know real crunchy type style person and then but her voice mm -hmm. sounds like she's some like aretha franklin type person <laughs> she sounds like she's got a very very soulful that is voice true. She does. very soulful voice and so and she's really good well she grew up um in a neighborhood in and that's what she in going to church and everything like that in a black church and so mm -hmm. that is what she knows and so that's obviously an influence for her but mm -hmm. but anyway that's my honorable honorable mention. all right well i'm gonna throw an honorable <laughs> honorable mention out there and in the 80s he went by luke skywalker but i think lucasfilm went after him and now he's uncle luke ah. and that would be one of the deepest songs probably ever made uh, that would be 1987's we want some kitty I'm kidding, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, you're not. No, you're not saying that. <laughs> no. Uh, anyway, <laughs> that was not my honorable mention. I was just being silly. Imagine that. 
And if you're under 16, do not go and Mm-mm. listen to that song on a streaming service, which, which probably now just made you go and yeah. <laughs> listen to it. Ugh. <laughs> but, you know, that was Gen X's version of the Beatles' I Want to Hold Your Hand. Oh, God. That's sad, but true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's not actually true. That's a Nine Inch Nails song. I know. Yeah, that's... Yeah, <laughs> Which that I will true. be discussing soon. They won't be an honorable mention. That will be an actual... What you're talking about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I think we've yeah. got a pretty full amount of time that we've been talking. Mm-hmm. This is going to be two hours, apparently. <laughs> so anyway, I'm going to sign off. And uh, just remember, everybody, try to live your life in a way that would make Mr. Rogers proud. Thank you for listening to Musings of an ADD Mind. If you enjoyed this podcast, or even if you didn't, please hit the subscribe or follow button. 